Hello, and welcome to Crossroads Christian Center, where we keep it real, simple, and about Jesus. Please enjoy this sermon, and don't forget to subscribe. You know what? The Lord, when I went into my prayer room this morning to pray for you, the Lord said, keep it simple, Lynn, and tell them this. Tell them who they are. Remind them who they are. Remind them who they are. So I'm going to read to you who you are. 1 Thessalonians 1.8 says this. For the word of the Lord has resounded from you and has echoed like thunder. Not only in Macedonia, but in every place. The news of your great faith in God has spread. The news of your great faith in God has spread. The Lord says, you have great faith in me. Now, we're going to sing this song again. Because the Lord is saying, you know what? I'm going to ask you this question. Are you going to do this with me? Say, what is this? Whatever you're going through. Are you going to do this with me? Are you going to try to do it the way the world is? Are you going to bow to the giant? Are you going to say, you know, I'm going to stand before that giant, declaring victory? Are you going to walk through the waters with me, knowing that you're not going to be drowned? Are you going to stand in the fire and say, I won't be burned? Because when you do it with him, you can declare all these things. And so when we sing that song, you're declaring, and I know good and well there's enough troubles in our lives. We don't just face one giant in our lives. We face many. We don't go through the waters once. We go through them a few times. We go through the fire many times because that's the way life is. Jesus never promised us there would be no troubles. He said, yes, you will have troubles, but guess what? I am with you. You can trust me. And the Lord is saying that to you today. Do you trust me? Do you trust me? See, faith is about two things, trusting and obeying. Trusting and obeying. Say, well, I don't understand. I don't see how God's going to do this. I don't see how he's going to solve the problem. I don't see how I'm going to come out of this. I don't see how things will be resolved. I don't see. And the Lord says, guess what? You walk by faith, not by sight. Why are you asking me for sight? Why are you asking to see when I say you walk by faith and believe me? The shepherd boy, David, approached the giant by faith, not by sight. Because the circumstances looked like he would fail. And the army, his own army, the Israelite army that stood behind him, none of which wanted to face that giant, the statistics said, you'll fail. But you know what? With God, all things are possible. And when we do it with him, with him, we can face the giant and it can come down. We walk through the waters and not drown. We stand in the fire and not be burned. Let's sing that song again. Let's declare it over our lives. Or it's religion. You know what religion is? It is the belief in God without the power of God. It says, oh, I believe there's God, but, but there's no power in my life. 
There's a disassociation between a mind of belief and living in the power of God. See, that's religion. Sadducees, Pharisees, they're religious. They believed in God, but they didn't walk in the power of God. People all over America are religious, but they have no victorious power. And you know what? I'm going to tell you what. That's not the way this house is going to be. This house is not. I'm telling you, if you come here for religion, if you're coming here to feel comfortable in a religion, you're not going to. You're not going to because you're, this is about transforming power of the Holy Spirit. And, it's, and you know what? The transforming power of the Holy Spirit changes us from the top of our head to the sole of our feet, meaning my mind has to be transformed. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Some of us have the thoughts but leave here keeping thoughts kind of in a little box of religion and then we walk out our life. And the Lord says, no, no, I want who I am to integrate and penetrate your life. Saturate us, Lord. I, you know what? I, I feel a battle zone. It's like you're making me kind of angry. You know what? You know why I'm making you angry? Because I'm confronting the mindset that is trying to war against the mind of Christ in your head. See, the world's mindset wars against the mind of Christ. So you feel conflicted. And the Lord is saying, I want this mind to be in you. My mind. That's why we are, when we're transformed, it's when we accept God's ways of doing something, which is very counter-cultural. The Lord showed me a picture of like a fireman carrying rescuing a child out of a flaming building and the Lord said that's what my people do my people don't run away they run toward and rescue in the scripture if you read it carefully when David faces Goliath it says he ran toward him he ran toward him he didn't run away from him. He ran toward him. And some of you are running away. And the Lord says, run toward. Run toward. Quit letting the circumstances, people, people's opinions scare you off. Quit letting them scare you off. What's behind that? The enemy stealing your authority, trying to steal your authority. Well, you're actually giving it away. He can't steal it. You gave it away. But the fact is, the Lord says, will you not believe me? I have empowered you to rescue. I have empowered you to be strong and courageous. In a sense, a superhero. A superhero because of the Holy Spirit in you. Lord, I pray over this body. I pray over the men. I pray over the women. I pray over the teenagers, the children, the young adults. The older people, Lord, I pray, Father, that you would empower us in a greater way. Lord, you're already wanting to. 
I don't even have to ask you. You're saying it's there. It's already there. Just as I read 1 Thessalonians 1.8, it says, You will be known for your faith in all of the world. You will be known for your faith in all the world. Why will you be known for your faith? Why would you be known for your faith in all the world? Well, if you go further into the text in Second, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13, it said, because you believe, let me read it to you. Let me read it to you because some of you won't, you will think, oh, you're just making that up. And I'm saying, nope, I'm not making it up. First Thessalonians 2, verse 13. And we thank God continually for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of mere men, but as it truly is, the word of God, which is effectually at work in you who believe, exercising its inherent supernatural power in those of faith. In other words, the words that we're declaring today are not words of mere men. If you think it's words of mere men, you will dismiss it. But if you say, you know what? The Lord is speaking. And in the faith that you have will be inherent, the inherent supernatural power of the word of God. Lord, we believe what you're saying to us. Lord, we believe what you say to us today. We know that it is a powerful word to us to transform us. Because you have declared over this house, the mission of this house is to be a muscle church. And what does that mean? A people of great faith. A people whose faith will echo like thunder throughout the world. You have declared that. What does that mean? That means individuals. Us together as a group, but also as individuals, the lives of people saying, I believe what you say, God, over the circumstance, over the problem, over the fear, over the storm. I believe what you say, Lord, and I have faith in you that you are going to bring me through this for your glory. And we thank you, Father, for that in your name. Amen. Amen. You can shake one another's hands. Love on each other. God is good. God is good. He loves you. He believes in you. God believes in you. You may believe in him, but he wants you to know he believes in you. But this, this Sunday, I, was, I want to talk to you about slaying the giant of religion or religiosity. I didn't know how to put it, but, you know, um, I, I want to, you know, we're, the reason we're addressing these topics is because we're trying to make you strong, 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 strong believers. We want to make a muscle church. As a matter of fact, Monday, it was funny, Monday is my day off, and we had our grandkids the last, uh, last uh, Monday of the summer before they go back to school. And so my wife and I are going to actually take Monday off tomorrow. We're going to probably go do something fun and, and drink a lot of coffee and sit in the sand or something. Um, 
But I was all grubby. The kids were at the house. They just wanted to spend their last day, you know, uh, hanging out, watching cartoons and stuff. And so I, I was doing yard work. And I'm just so you know, if you ever see me around town, I'm probably going to have shorts and a T-shirt on or maybe a tank top on. I'm just, I love just being casual. And uh, I was grubby. I was doing yard work. I tut, cut long. Jacob, it is so good. Let me. Sorry, this is, this is one of our missionaries, Jacob Green. Good having you, bud. He's a, one of the missionaries we support. I think we prayed for you two weeks ago. Um, he's a missionary with YWAM out of Reading. Travels all over the world doing stuff. It's good to have you, brother. Sorry, that was a tangent. Let us come back. Um, squirrel, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Valerie. <laughs> We're real around here. I, I just, you know. So I, I was all grubby, and I, I had to run over to the hardware store to get something, and I walked in the hardware store, and I'm paying, and the, 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 it was the Ace Hardware on First Street in Gilroy, and uh, one of the cashiers, she had her name tag on. It was Priscilla, and uh, I walk up to the counter, and I, I had a Crossroads men's tank top on, and she goes, oh, where's that gym at? <laughs> I loved it. She thought it was CrossFit, you know, and it was Crossroads. And I said, oh, it's up in Morgan Hill on Wright Avenue. And she goes, oh, I don't know where that, that it's at. And I, and I turned around, and on the back it says, follow me as I follow Christ. And she goes, oh. And I said, it's actually not a gym. Actually, well, it's kind of a gym because we're making muscle Christians. She goes, I like that. <laughs> and I said to her, I said, uh, hey, I love your name. I said, do you, know the, do you know the meaning of where your name's from? And she looked at me, and she looked at her name tag. I said, you do know your name, don't you? She goes, yeah, it's Priscilla. And I said, your name is in the Bible. You were one of the great women leaders in the early church. And she turned to the guy next to her named Walt. She goes, you hear that, honey? And I said, actually, and I looked at Walt. I said, they're actually her husband. They were a team. And, and she goes, he goes, what's his name? I goes, it was Walt. He goes, no way. <laughs> And I said, yeah, no way. I said, it was, his, his name was Aquila. And I said, he was, he was the one that made her work happen. And she goes, I like that, you know? So, you know, I tell you that because there's opportunities for us to share the message of the gospel. And I told her, I said, you know, you need to go into the book of Acts. I gave her the chapter and told her, you need to go read about your namesake. So next time I come in here, I want to see if you've read it. You know what that is? That's follow-up. So I had an opportunity. So I can't wait to get back to see, uh, you know, uh, Priscilla and Fred, or uh, Walt, excuse me, Walt, having a senior moment, and I'm enjoying it. So anyway, this morning, I tell you that because we are making muscle Christians. We're making strong Christians. I want you to have all the power that dwells in Christ dwelling in you. You know, I want the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead to dwell and live in you. And that comes through the word of God. As you, as you are impacted by the word of God, it releases something in you. And so what we're doing is we're slaying some of the cultural giants that are facing us. And one of the ones that, that is a real big one, and I'll tell you honestly, religion scares me. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I'm not in the religion business. I remember when I, I came to faith, all my friends in my hometown, because I grew up in a very strong uh, Northeast Pennsylvania, Roman Catholic community. I mean, it was just really, everything was about religion and everything. You had festivals and all the churches were there. I don't know if anyone's read the news in the last week about the, the Roman Catholic Church in Pennsylvania and the attorney general come out with some scathing reports. Broke my heart. And this, let me tell you, I'm not saying that to bash the Roman Catholic Church because it's not just the Roman Catholics, it's Protestants as well. It's, it's all these different religions. Religions are a controlling issue 
that we have to be careful of. And one of the things that, that, that scared me was, you know, I grew up in a, in a home where my grandfather was an Anglican, Church of England. He was a very devout, religious Anglican, and he was abusive to my mother and my aunts and uncles. He was a mean-spirited, nasty old man that I remember as a little kid just saying, I don't ever want to grow up to be like my grandfather. So here you have a religious man, a pillar in his church, and yet he turned his own children off and his grandchildren off from the Lord. You see, religion and the whole premise of religion is it's man-made. It's, it's these things that come up with that are, are, are uh, uh, developing a system to keep you in line with the religion and not with the one who created it. And so when we're talking about this, one of the things we see is that in all religions, it doesn't matter what, what religion, religious background it is, they have a, 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 a propensity to push people to follow their rules rather than the relationship that God wants to have with us. And I believe that Scripture teaches us this, that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, that no man or no woman or no child can find God without going through the relationship with Jesus Christ. Okay, that's why when we had out here before uh, we started the work, we had banners that says, keep it real, keep it simple, and keep it about Jesus. That will be our theme as long as we're your pastors, because Jesus is central. You see, God is this kind of confusing statement over here. God can represent a lot of things, but when you come down to Jesus, you're, you're clarifying things. You're getting down to the essence and the true uh, uh, aspect of what the Word of God uh, speaks about. So when we're talking about religion, what I want to talk to you about and I refer to it as this. There is a spirit of religion. Okay? It's not just religion, but there's a spirit of it. And I believe that it's inspired by evil spirits that want to basically uh, 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 have loyalty towards a religious system or a religious practice in such a way that it diminishes and creates a counterfeit of what the Holy Spirit wants to do. Do you hear me on that? Religion wants to substitute the role of the Holy Spirit with a system of rules and regulations that you and I follow so that we don't have to have a, a, the leading of the Holy Spirit. We can follow these rules and regulations. You follow me? You tracking with me? Okay? So when we're talking about this, that's what I want to talk about. And one of the things that, that when I, I say this, sometimes people say, well, pastor, what do you mean? You know, shouldn't we be religious? No. You should be in a relationship. You know, because when you're in a relationship with a living God, he transforms you in all areas of your life. And the reason I want to tell you the story about how I, how I related to someone on a grubby Monday when I was all sweaty and smelly and had grass on me and all was messy, I re relate the same way then as I do with you now. You see, because as believers, if we're going to be strong Christians that stand up against the tide of our culture, you have to be the same on Sunday morning as you are Thursday afternoon. You have to be the same when everything's going good and when everything's hitting the fan. you got to be the same person because that is what consistency is. And so when I'm talking about this, we, have, we are facing in our culture a religious force that is forcing and pressing us to be conformed to a pattern that is not patterned after the lordship of Jesus Christ, but after rules and regulations of man. That's why when you read like something like came out this week from the attorney general from Pennsylvania, where you see that for 60 or 70 years, there's been a series of abuse among children 
or you go to other parts of the world, and I don't care if it's Islam or Buddhism or Hinduism or Shintoism or whateverism it is, religion wants to conform people to their pattern. And let me tell you, as followers of Jesus Christ, we have one authority we serve, and it's the Lord Jesus Christ. We serve the triune Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And Jesus has given us the Holy Spirit. The Father is in heaven. Jesus has ascended to sit at his right hand. And he's given us the Holy Spirit to guide us and lead us into all truth, including truth about ourselves, including truth about our religion. So one of the things we want to do is we want to address this giant, and we don't want to just bow down in front of it. We want to stand up against it and address it head on, because one of the things that this religious spirit does, it, it destroys your relationship with Jesus Christ. And the reason it does it is because he will take and he will, it will force us to conform to a pattern that is contrary to the written word of God. Ooh, it's quiet in here. We're stepping on some spirits. So if you want a true relationship with Jesus Christ, you have to learn to address some of the things that are man-made and create loyalty to man-made systems versus loyalty to the Word of God and the things of the Spirit. And we'll get to that in a little bit. So I said that religion and relationship, they don't get, get along. And let me tell you why they don't get along is because religion basically works to sever the relationship between God and his children so that they could follow a set of patterns that are made by man that are much easier to follow. And then you could actually say, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm better than you because I do this, and you only do that. And I, I'm better than you because I follow this practice, you know. When we lived in India, they have gurus, and gurus are the different religious leaders, and, and you could tell the different gurus' followers by the way they act. When we were in Israel, when we were at the Western Wall praying, you could see the different rabbis, they have different hats. They have the, the different hats they wear, and some look like big feather dusters, they're big tall things, or some look like, you know, black cowboy hats, so they have all these different styles you could tell just by looking at it. And, and, and when you follow someone, you tend to take on their personalities and their, 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 uh, their, their, their ways. And let me tell you something, the Lord wants you to follow the teachings of the Word of God. That's why it's so important for us to gather together to be instructed. That's why I always, I'm always concerned as a pastor when people start going off on their own and they don't fellowship with one another because they get isolated and then they create their own religion. And that's why it's important for us to gather together because we work and we develop one another. We help each other in our faith. That should be the goal when we come together is that we build each other up. And so religious spirits, they can manifest. It's interesting, too, is that a religious spirit can manifest in different ways in different people. Let me give you a for instance. You know, for example, one person may be plagued by feeling that they're never good enough for God. No matter what they do, they're never good enough because it's all about works. And the person sitting next to them can actually have a, a self-righteous attitude that they're better than everything. Yeah. You know? Oh, well, if you were spiritual like me, well, if you had a spirit like you, you know, you see, and that's, that's the problem with it. And when we, we start to address this, one of the things we see is that we really, as followers of Jesus Christ, as people who love the Word of God, we have to address things according to what the Word says, not according to culture, not even according to your denomination. Yeah. You see, because some people are more loyal to their denomination than they are the Word of God. 
Okay, you know, here, here comes your toes. Your toes are sensitive. I stubbed my toe really good this week, so I understand what your toe feels like if it's getting stepped on. My, I have a Band-Aid on my big toe right now that's killing me. You know, and if your toes are getting stepped on, that's a good thing because it means we're hitting something with where you're at. So I want to address and look at this because the Apostle Paul, when you read Scripture, Paul says it in multiple places about how he addresses a religious spirit. He said it in 2 Corinthians 10.5. My wife was stealing my notes. She didn't even know what I was uh, dealing with. But she quoted out of 2 Corinthians 10.5 about how God, there's, there's, there's a worldly philosophy that's out there. Okay, But Paul also addresses it in the book of Galatians. He writes to the book of Galatians in chapter 3, verse 1 through 3, these words. Look. How would you like your preacher to get up and call you this? You foolish, foolish Galatians. You know, talk about love. You know, isn't that love, you know? Just the, you, you could call it like it is. When you love someone and they know you love them, you could call them out on it, right? So Paul is calling out the church in Galatia and saying, you fools. It's like Mr. T, you fools. What's going on here, right? He says, who bewitched you? Wow, pretty strong language, huh? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed and crucified. Well, pastor, if I lived when Jesus was on the earth, I would have followed him. This is proof text that you probably may not have, okay? Because if you're not following him now when you have the written word of God, most likely you weren't going to follow him when he was just an itinerant preacher. And in verse 2, he says, I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you not receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? See, the thing he's saying, let me give you, for instance here, did you receive it by, by some work that you did or did you receive it by what you heard it? Because salvation comes by grace. Yeah. It's not by works. Right. Because if it's by works, none of us are going to follow you know, or come through. That's why the Old Testament, when people say, well, I follow all the teachings of the Old Testament. Well, no, you don't. Because if someone as righteous as Paul couldn't do it, someone as unrighteous as you and I could never do it. And the Old Testament was in place basically to show us that there is no one who could fulfill every single requirement that God had except one, and his name is Jesus Christ. And that's why we will always proclaim Jesus Christ, because he is our relationship. He is our entryway into the presence of God the Father. And Paul goes on and says this. He says, are you so foolish? So twice in just three verses, he calls them foolish. After beginning by the means of the Spirit, track with me on this, you are now trying to finish by the means of the flesh. I tell you, that's a pretty strong word. And what Paul is saying to them is basically this. They're foolish because they allowed themselves to be robbed of the joy of the Lord. How do you know that? Because he calls them that in the beginning, in the beginning of verse 1. And he says that not only are they foolish because they gave up that love relationship with the Lord. How many of you remember the joy you had when you first came to faith? You know? I remember I was so excited and vibrant and yeah, yeah, I always wanted to share my faith. And what happens over the years? It's kind of like a tire. You know, you got really good treads in the beginning. And then by the end, you're starting to look like the top of my head. You know? I mean, you just, you're just you slipping all over the place. There's no traction. There's no joy, you know? And that's where you need to get back into the Word and where the Word says, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Because why do you have joy? Because the joy of the Lord is what? Your strength. 
It's what gives you the ability to stand strong. And the presence of the Lord is what gives you joy. And what happened to the church in Galatia is they went back from following the Spirit to going to following their own flesh and following the the religious principles of their community. So what Paul is doing here is he is addressing that. If you don't believe that, read Galatians chapter 2, verse 19 through 21. Paul addresses this, and he says, hey, you guys have actually seen the crucified Christ and what he went through, and yet you're going back to your old ways. So here's a word of caution for us, because some people will say, well, pastor, what you're saying here is that we we should uh, uh, not obey the word of God. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying what we should do is not fall back on our knowledge, solely our intellectual knowledge. Because when you are doing it all with your brain, okay, and you're saying, well, I know more than what Scripture says. I know more what the Holy Spirit says. Let me tell you something about the Holy Spirit. He will ask you to do things that don't make sense in the natural. You know why? Because he's supernatural. His character, the nature of who the Holy Spirit is, is above nature. Now, you're talking to someone, let me, let me clarify, you're not talking to someone that is like a yahoo that doesn't believe in education. I have an earned doctoral degree, married to someone that earned doctoral degree. We've been professors, we've been university people. I love study, but I always surrender my intellect to the Word of God and say, when I open my Bible, I open it up and I say, Holy Spirit, teach me what you want me to learn today. The person that comes, well... You know me, I've got an earned doctorate in theology. Blah, 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 blah. Good, that and 450 can go to Starbucks, okay? Do you have a sensitivity to the leading and teaching of the Holy Spirit? You see, because what the, Corinth, or the Galatians did here is they, they were foolish because Paul says this about them. Who bewitched you? Now, some of you are old enough, you remember the 60s sitcom, Bewitched, you know? And the wording that's used here in the Greek text is, is actually pretty remarkable because the wording talks about, uh, the, 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 it's actually two words in the original language, and it talks about having uh, words that are spoken over you that create slander or uh, uh, blacken your character or they cast you from a primary relationship of, of being boastful before people in front of you. So what Paul is saying is, when you're bewitched, you take on a characteristic of what the wording that he's using is, that you start having this, actually, he uses the word spell. You know? So we talk about witchcraft, you know, what do we think of? We think, you know, Halloween, the, the person all in black with the big pointed hat, yeah, that's one form of witchcraft. But what Paul is addressing here is what is, is, is referred to in some places in Scripture is the evil eye, where you start looking at people in a despicable way. You start dealing with people not in the realm of the, the spirit, but in your flesh. And that's what he's addressing here. And Paul says this. He says, you began, didn't you receive the Holy Spirit? If you receive the Spirit, then why are you toggling back to working in the flesh? You see, one of the problems we have with the religious spirit is it wants to delete the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, if we have rules, if I have a list of do's and don'ts, it's easy for you to follow. But what about the Holy Spirit when the person next to you, it may not be a problem for them, but it's a problem for you and the Holy Spirit tells you to do something and you don't do it. 
What happens when the Holy Spirit, who knows how you were created before you were in your mother's womb, he knits you together? My mom used to crochet and knit. And I remember once in a while, my mom would be crocheting or knitting or whatever she was doing. I can't tell the difference. I know that someone will tell me after service. So my mother's been telling me for 40 years and it hasn't stuck, so don't waste your breath, okay? Uh, but she would, she would do her, her needlework. And then I'd hear her go, ugh, and she'd pull the whole thing out. I'm like, it looks fine to me. She, no, look at this one knot, 16 rows, four over. You know, look at it. The knot's twisted the wrong way. I'm like, who cares, Mom? I care. And she'd pull it all out. Well, that's the same thing the Holy Spirit does to us. You know? He sees something in you that he doesn't see in someone else, and he addresses it in your life different than he's going to address it to the person you're sitting next to. And he says, you know why? Because I care for you. And I want you to do and want you to be the kind of person that you could be. But this little kink down in 16th row, four over, is, is really messing you up. Yeah. So I'm going to un unravel that a little bit. And I'm going to address that in your life so we can re-knit you back together the way you should be. And the beautiful thing about the Holy Spirit is that when you are, are looking towards him for guidance and direction, he'll give it to you. Yeah. Scripture says the reason you have not is you ask not. You know? So getting back to this word, the word he uses here about bewitching is, is really interesting because it's only used one time in the New Testament. But if you, you look into the Old Testament, there's a passage in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 28, 54, that has a similar concept of what's being uh, presented here. And it talks about the whole idea. Look what it says. It says, even the most gentle and sensitive man among you will have no compassion on his own brother or wife uh, he loves or his surviving children. And he's, the wording that's used there is, is under the word no compassion. You see, a religious spirit creates in you a compassionless view towards others. You hear me? A religious spirit creates a compassionate view in you towards other people. And not only towards other people, but also to the things of the spirit. You see, because a religious spirit is in conflict with the word of God and the spirit of God. And so sometimes people, and this is what's amazing. I've, I've done church work now for 35 years. I wasn't raised in the church. My wife was. I, I came to faith. And when I came to faith, I sold everything. I got rid of everything that was connecting me. And I said, Lord, I'm going to live wholeheartedly for you. And it, it cost me friendships. Some of my family didn't like me. My mom thought I was crazy until she came to faith. And I said, welcome to the crazy club, you know, because she then had an experience with the Lord. And it was that aha moment she had. And you see, when you do that, you're saying, I'm going to surrender all of that past to you, and I'm going to learn to have a relationship with you. You and I, if we're going to be strong believers, you have to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit, because the voice of the Holy Spirit will give you and cultivate in you compassion for others and even compassion for yourself. You see, some of us, we deal with a religious spirit, and you're not good enough for God. You know what that's from? That's a lie from the enemy. That is a lie straight from the pit of hell. You know why? Because then, if you're not good enough, if your life isn't good enough, then you have to work harder for it. And then you don't need salvation because it's all up to you. So the more you work, the more you feel good about yourself. But what you're doing is you're feeding your flesh. You're not feeding your spirit. And God declares, the Word of God declares, that we are to be people of the Spirit not people of the flesh. 
And if you go into the, the scriptures, there's all through the Old Testament, the New Testament, there's illustrations that talk about this of not having compassion toward people. And one of my favorite verses, it's one of the shortest ones, it says, and Jesus wept. You know what that's talking about? It's about him having compassion. He looks upon people and he has compassion. And I can always tell when people start to get a, a, a religious spirit in them. And it's something we have to guard ourselves with. Because one of the things that, that's so insidious about this is it sneaks in and it clothes itself like, well, I'm just being righteous. I'm, I'm just being a person who really, I, I love the word of God more than you. And because I do, I have to say this to you. You know? It cloaks itself. It's, it's a chameleon. And what does a chameleon do? It changes colors, basically, wherever it sits. You know, when we were on vacation, we had a, we had a chameleon that was uh, hanging out by our thing. And I, I looked at my wife one day, and she was sitting on the deck, and here he is right on the wall, right behind her head. You know? I love them. I love that. Like, they're good ones. They're the ones that eat the bugs. Leave those alone. You know? I had a real hard time when we lived in India because I actually shut one in the door jam. And I was like, oh. Took it off. It was nice and flat. I was going to use it as a bookmark, but I thought that was kind of gross, you know. Um, but chameleons, they, they change color, you know. And you and I don't need to be chameleons spiritually. We need to be the same every single day. We need to be the same way we are here sitting in church as we are when we're at the hardware store. You tracking with me? And one of the things that happens when you have a religious spirit, you sometimes feel like, you know, I, I'm better than them. I'm, I'm more spiritual than them. You see, the Pharisees and the Sadducees in Scripture, they, they, they said that they actually in Scripture it talks about in Matthew 16, 6. I don't think I have the verse for that. But in Matthew 16, 6, it talks about the leaven of the Pharisees. Now, those of you who like to cook, I love your gift because I love to eat. Okay, But in, in baking, you put a little bit of leaven in to do what? To help the bread rise or the food rise, right? And what happens is... That starter of what you put in often will affect the taste of the whole batch. When I was younger, I, I, I worked with the Youth Conservation Corps in Pennsylvania in, the, in the Ricketts Glen State Park. And one of the guys that I worked with had a, uh, uh, a starter kit of uh, pancake mix that was started in the early 1900s in Alaska. And it was the yeast, so you take a scoop out, and you'd put it in a jar and mix all the stuff in, and it would make this really great buttermilk pancakes. And I remember I went to college, and I left it in my fridge, and my mom was cleaning the fridge, and she threw it out. You know? But what was that one scoop do? It would flavor the whole rest of the batch. And the same thing is true with there's an unleavenedness in us, something in us that is, is stealing from us the joy of the Lord. You know what that is? It's a religious spirit. So, so how do you overcome this giant of religion? How do, you know, that we know what it is. We know some of the things it does. But how do we overcome it? Because if we're going to be giant slayers, if we're going to be strong followers of Jesus, if we're going to be men and women who can do exceedingly abundantly above what the Lord imagines and asks in our lives and does great things through us, if you're going to change the world, you know, we talk in here that you're going to be a thermometer, not a thermostat. And by that, we mean you are the one that goes into a situation and you change. A thermostat versus a thermometer. Yeah. My listexia kicked in. Sorry. Some of you catch that later. Um, we go in and we change the atmosphere as believers. So we go in as a follower of Jesus. We go in and we say, you know what? If other people are going to act this way, we're not going to act this way because, that way because we have Christ in us. 
And so we, we go into the situation and we say, how, how do we do that? Well, one of the ways we do that is this. First of all, you have, you have to address the whole issue of, of coming against this giant through having the mind of Christ. You know, one of the big things that we are here is we're going to be a church that constantly emphasizes being people of the Word of God. If you are not word-based, if you're not biblically literate, you need to get on track to do that. The the truth shall set you free, right? Yeah, but you got to know it. That's the first part of the verse. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. See, a lot of people go to church, and they hear messages, but they don't apply them. You know, I had a friend of mine did an experiment once. He preached four messages uh, in his church uh, for three months. The first Sunday of every month, he preached one message. Second Sunday of every month, he preached second message. Third Sunday of every month, he preached third message. Fourth Sunday of the month, he preached the fourth. He did this for three months. No one in his church knew. You know why? Because they weren't applying it. No one was taking notes. You know? Well, I've got a great mind. What was I just thinking? You know? I always tell people, take notes. If you don't take notes, take a screenshot. Take, I see pictures. Every once in a while, someone will take up their camera and take a picture, you know? You know, if you have a smartphone, if you have an iPhone, I don't know about Samsung's, but if you have an iPhone, you can do a voice memo. You can just click on it and set it on the thing and listen. Now we have the sermons online. You can listen to them online. Repeat what you're hearing. Allow that to get deep into your spirit. Allow the Word of God to transform you so you're renewed. And one of the things that is amazing is that in Scripture, when you're addressing a religious spirit, one of the things that it does, it wants you to highlight your thoughts. That, oh, I am, you know, I've heard that sermon. I heard a guy say this once. Yeah, I read the Bible. I understand it. <laughs> wow. You must be an absolute genius. Einstein, fool. You know? You, absolute genius. I've been reading the Bible for 35 years. Now, I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer, but I'm certainly not the dullest. Okay? I've been reading it for 35 years, and every time I read it, I, I, I wow, I have never saw that before. You know? I have commentaries. When Pastor Chris left, I was so... I, don't don't sit, take this the wrong way. I was so glad when he left, not because he left. I was glad he got married, but he gave me all of these books that he couldn't take overseas, you know? And I, you come in my office, and I've got all these books and commentaries, and he went through. He had all these boxes of books he was going to donate, and he says, you know, hey, Pastor, I know you love to read books, but here's, here's some photographs of my books. You want any of them? I'm like, this one, this one, this one, this one, this one. And he brought me like eight or ten boxes of books because I just love to read. So I'm not saying don't love your mind. But put your mind in, right, in the right place. Because when you highlight your brain and you think that you're smarter than everything else and everyone else, you start to start believing your own press releases. And let me tell you, none of us are that sharp. Okay? So look what Scripture says. 1 Corinthians 9, 27. I have two different translations of it. The New International Version says it this way. He says, I strike a blow to my body and make it a slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself may not be disqualified from the prize. You know what that's talking about? It's talking about you living what you're telling other people and not being duplicitous, double-minded. Well, you know, I have one standard for my life, but I have a higher standard for yours. 
You know anyone like that? You know, they live one way, and they're always telling other people how they should live, but they're not even living up to that. You know, what God's Word says is you've got to be very careful about that because you don't want to disqualify yourself after you've already gone and told other people. And I like how the New Living Translation says, I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Oh, don't you hate that? Josel, don't you hate when you, you just told me today you were, missed working out for a few days, you get back in the gym, you start disciplining your body, and what happens? Oh, I'm sore. Uh, you know, I know that muscle should do that, but it doesn't do it anymore. Why? Because you're out of shape. Well, let me tell you, physical shape and spiritual shape, there are correlations between the two. That's why the Apostle Paul, through Scripture, uses illustrations of athleticism, because most of us can relate to working out, right? You work in your yard, your husband makes you crawl under the shed to get rid of the fox, you're a little sore, right? You know? You, you, you work in the yard, and you think, man, 20 years ago, I used to do that, and it didn't hurt me. Well, guess what? Today, you're 20 years older, and the parts aren't as lubricated as like they used to be. And they kind of get up in the morning, and you roll out of bed, and you're like, oh. <laughs> Come on. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? Well, I'll tell you, same thing spiritually. If you're not continuing, continually using your spiritual insights and understandings, you can tend to be a little bit rusty. And what the Word of God says, you should be training like you should, like the way your body should work. Otherwise, what happens? You're disqualified. And one of the things that I, I really want to get through to you on this is, is a religious spirit wants you to get comfortable in your faith so you don't need the Holy Spirit. Do you hear me on that? The, a religious spirit wants you to get comfortable in your faith so you don't need the Holy Spirit. I had a conversation last week with a, a couple parents. We have, some of you know, some of you may not know, we have a, a school here. It goes preschool through five. And I had a conversation with two parents that were concerned that their children were coming to a school because they read our doctrinal statement on the Holy Spirit. And so they wanted to talk to me about their, how influential is the doctrine of the church on the teaching of the school. And so the, the, the two parents, one had told the, uh, the principal of the school, well, you know, I'm, I'm very well-read and very intellectual when it comes to spiritual things. I'm like, right there, religious spirit. Good. I am too, you know. So I had this conversation, and I kind of knew where the conversation was going just by the comments that had been made to me. And the, the person asked me the question, he goes, now, what's this, your church now is... Uh, is um, it's a Pentecostal. Now, how does that affect the school? I said, in every way. <laughs> I said, in every way, because I said, I don't know about you, but, you know, and they go to church, so they're not, they're not Christians, but they just don't believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. And I, I told them point blank. I said, you know, well, you know, the Holy Spirit is part of the triune Godhead. Triune is the three-part Father, Son, Spirit. You know, that's a theological term. Because I want to speak to him in his terms because he was so intellectual. And... Uh, I started talking to him about the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit's role is in the church. And I said, you know, one of the things that I don't know about your church, but our church believes that the Holy Spirit is what Jesus said when he left. He said, forbid not the speaking of tongues and do not grieve the Holy Spirit. And when I'm not going to glorify the Holy Spirit as part of the Godhead, I'm grieving the Holy Spirit. And I, as a pastor, it would be wrong for me to grieve the Holy Spirit. And the children in our school, they're going to be exposed to the Holy Spirit. Next question. Okay. Okay. Um, you know, let me tell you something. A religious spirit does this. 
He wants to de depower the power of the Holy Spirit in your life so you're weak. You know? We're like rechargeable batteries. What happens when you use a rechargeable battery? The more you use it, the more you wear it down, right? You know, I was putting some new signs up. We got a new fence on the school, and part of my role as the executive of the organization is to put up signs. Servanthood. I, I joke about it, but I enjoy it. My wife says, she's been doing this for 35 years. Quit complaining. You know? So I was outside, and I, I was putting up some new signs on this fence over here. And I had my, my little Makita, and it was fully charged. And I went up there, and I have self-tapping screws, and I put up the sign, and, and it was stalled, right? You know why? Because the metal, I hit a solid spot in the metal. And let me tell you, in life... When you hit a solid spot, you need more of the Holy Spirit's power. And what happens is when you divert your attention away from the power of the Holy Spirit as a believer, you start relying on your own flesh. And let me tell you, you ain't got the power to do what it takes to overcome the world. That's why it's so important for us to have our minds renewed. And that's why it's so important how Paul addresses this to the church. And he says, you know, don't allow this spirit to bewitch you because it's duping you, you know? And, and, and that's where we have to say, Lord, keep me sensitive. You know, help me understand, re re restore that joy in my heart so I can understand what you're saying to me and, and always keep me sensitive to the Holy Spirit. As your pastor, let me tell you this. The moment I stop emphasizing the Holy Spirit is the time for you to start looking for a new pastor. You know why? Because it's not by, it's not by might. It's nor by power, nor your intellect, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And when we were in Israel, we stopped at the grave of that prophet, and we prayed that, and we stood at his grave, and we grabbed onto the gate because it was locked up, and my wife and I, we grabbed hands on it, and we said, Lord, give us the same spirit that this prophet had to, de to declare your word. The same spirit that was in him is in the same spirit as in Jesus, that according to God's word should be the same spirit that's in you. So if you and I want to be powerful believers, you have to be open to the role of the Holy Spirit. I, I, I don't know what churches that don't believe in the Holy Spirit, just change your name to Country Club. I don't know why a church would not want the power of the Holy Spirit. This conversation I had with his dad, he was, he was saying, well, you know, you, you believe in divine healing. And I said, and you don't? I said, wasn't part of the atonement Christ came to bring healing? He said he, he proclaimed the year of the Lord's favor. I say, you want to be sick? That's fine. I'm going to pray for you. You don't want to receive it? That's up to you. I said, I believe, I didn't tell him my whole testimony how I got rocked a few years ago, you know, got healed of all sorts of things and didn't even know it. I was standing in a, a service and the guy says, someone needs to be prayed for for snoring. And I'm like, oh, this is good. My wife's going... I had 32 years of your obnoxiousness, you know? And I stood up, and I felt the cartilage in my nose snap. No one even touched me. I haven't stored since. You know? Same service. I'm standing up, and I'm standing there, and I'm, I'm praying for someone else, and the Lord touches my back. Quit grabbing your wife's nose, Rick. That's flesh. That's not spirit right there, you know. I caught you, brother. I'm going to call you out on it, man, because you know I love you. All right, Francine? You're welcome, girl. Got to keep you safe from that religious spirit, you know. But we believe in healing. That's part of the atonement. 
That's part of the promise of Scripture. His name is Jehovah Rapha. I am the God who heals you. You know? Why don't we see more healings? I'll tell you why. Because, well, we have to think this through. Well, you know, logically, this doesn't make sense. You're not a Vulcan. You're a believer. You're a Christian. Okay? You're a follower of Christ. You're one who believes that there is a God who does miracles. You're one who believes that all things are possible to them that believes. You're, you're, greater things will he do in, in, uh, through us than he even did, is what my word says. So why aren't we seeing some of this? You know why? Because we've accepted a view mentally that we can't do what Christ did. So fine. You have it. If you're double thinking, what does scripture says? A double-minded man is unstable in all their ways. So what the word of God says is we need to have our mind renewed. And part of that discipline, let me tell you this. And you got to be careful with this because a religious spirit will get you in your devotional time. And your devotions become, check, done that. Check, done that. Read for one hour. Not one hour and two seconds. One hour. Prayed for 37 minutes. You only prayed for 35? Oh, I am so much more spiritual than you. You see, because that's what happens in a religious spirit. It starts judging other people. Well, I have so much more insight than you in the Word of God. It's a religious spirit. You know, the Word is what declares it. So one of the things we've got to do is we've got to stop, you know, um, I don't want to say it, uh, stifling the Holy Spirit through our intellect. Okay, now let me clarify this. I love the word. I love reading the word. I love studying. I'm not saying you shouldn't study. A workman studying the word of God, rightly dividing the word of God. You know why? So you can know truth when you see it. Because one of the subtleties of the enemy is this. He will give you partial truth. So, you know, here's a glass of water. You know, refreshing. Mm. So good. Let me just go get one mouse turd and put it in here. Who wants a drink? It's just one. It's just, it's in the volume of the glass, it doesn't even, it's not even, it's fractional at best. That's what the enemy does. He'll give you one, he'll give you truth, but he'll put a little bit of a lie into it. And that little bit of a lie will taint everything. You see, that's why it's so important for you to study the Word of God. I tell this all the time to people. Whenever you listen to someone preaching the Word of God, back it up with Scripture. It may be their opinion, but you better back it up with Scripture. And you always have the right to back up what you hear from this pulpit with Scripture and challenge it, rightly dividing the Word of truth. Be like the church in Berea who studied the Word of God and knew it. Okay? So we, we, we discipline our mind. Listen to what... The uh, Gospel of Matthew, chapter 11, says. This is from the Message version. The Message is kind of a popular, newer version. And I was reading a couple portions of it last week, and I thought, this is really good. It says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? I love this. Come to me. This is Jesus speaking. You know, you had it with religion? Come to me. Get away with me. Get away with me and recover your life. And I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn, I love this, learn the unforced rhythms of grace. You see, when you have to force your relationship with the Lord, it's a religious spirit. 
But when you can just say, what is grace? Grace, a theological term is it's unmerited favor. That means you don't, you don't deserve it, but you get it anyway. It's like when my grandkids, their mom isn't around. They want ice cream, they get it, even if they don't deserve it. Why? Because I'm a grandparent. <laughs> Amen, right? Grace is the same way. You don't deserve it. There's nothing you could do to earn it, but you know what? You got it anyway. So enjoy it. And, and, and it's, it's something that comes to you where it's not forced upon you. He says, I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn how to f- live freely and lightly. So let me say this to you. If that's what the Word says, and you're carrying around a burden about your relationship with the Lord, you ain't living close to Him. You're living under a religious spirit, because the spirit of the Lord is freedom. The spirit of the Lord is light. He says, take my yoke upon you. Those of you that live in FFA farm people, what's a yoke? It's something that binds two animals together so they could work in harmony. And he says, my yoke is not heavy. It's light. But when you try to do it in yourself or when you try it without the Holy Spirit, it gets pretty heavy. You know why? Because you're not operating in grace. You're operating in flesh. And a religious spirit will always toggle back to flesh. Because what it wants to do is separate you from the power of the Holy Spirit so you can't live a victorious life. You can't live in joy. You can't live in overcoming. You can't live in victory because you've got this burden weighing down upon you because you have to do it yourself. Oh, this is good. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16 says this. Who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? What's the rest say? Say it. Say it like you believe it. We have the mind of Christ. Who has it? We do. Well, no, Pastor David, because he has a degree in it. That guy I saw on TV, because he's got a big TV show and a church and all that, they have it. But just me, I'm just little old underdog. Well, you know, even little old underdog had superpowers. And let me tell you, you may not think that you have the mind of Christ, but according to God's word, he declares it over you that you have the mind of Christ. And a religious spirit will tell you, you don't have the mind of Christ. You know, your last name is McCoy. You're just a feuding guy from the back east. You don't have the mind of Christ. Oh, yes, you do. Linda, you have the mind of Christ. You know, all of us, each and every one of us, if we're followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we have been renewed. We've been transformed. How? By the renewing of our mind. And if your mind is renewed, then you have the mind of Christ. And what you have to do is, this is where it comes back in. You have to discipline your mind. Some of us, how many of you have wild thoughts? Come on, raise your hand. Wild. Just thoughts that go everywhere. That's what I did with Jacob earlier. You know, I was just like, whoa, Jacob, good to see you. I pray for him all the time. He's, he's like, here, great. You know, you need to discipline those thoughts. That's where you come in alignment with the word of God. You come because, you know, our thoughts can lead us, you know, some of you have some really good thoughts and some of you have some thoughts that get you in a lot of trouble. You know, I have to always guard myself because I'm kind of like, my mind is wild. And every once in a while, my wife will kick me. Remember, (laughs) David, behave. You know? Your mind can take you places you shouldn't go. And a religious spirit will want to keep you captive so your mind isn't conformed to his image, so that you're not walking in it. Second thing you could do is this. 
uh, transform your mind. Look at Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, it's not just brothers, brothers and sisters. This is a, a gender equality when it comes to this. So it's not ladies are, are more spiritual than men or men are more spiritual than women. He says, both of you, y'all, okay? He says, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing. This is your true and proper worship. No, pastor, when Valerie's up here and the worship team's up here, our proper worship is raising our hands, singing. No, offering yourself to God is your, your worship. A totality of who you are as a person, including your intellect. I had a gentleman in my church once when I was pastoring in Pennsylvania. He was in charge of the artificial intelligence lab. He had two, P, two earned PhDs. He had a PhD in biology and a PhD in, in chemistry, and he ran the artificial intelligence lab. And I remember sitting with him, and he sat down, and he says, you know, pastor, I, I'm a really smart guy. And I, he goes, I'm not boastful, but he goes, will you teach me the word of God? You know why? Because he didn't have arrogance. You know? Just because someone has a degree doesn't mean they know everything. Most people have a degree think they know everything. They know everything about a really small, thin slice of paper, but they don't know about everything. And that's why it says here what we need to do is we need to transform our minds. We need to have our minds transformed and do worship. And he says, and then in verse 2, he says, and don't conform to the pattern of this world. You know what the pattern of this world is? Do it yourself. You don't need the Holy Spirit. We are so far beyond that. That's, that's ancient religion. That's history. You don't need the Holy Spirit. You are so smart. You have this. You, you know how to do this. You have this skill set in this. You could do this. You could do that. You don't need the Holy Spirit. And there's a theological term for that. Hogwash. <laughs> you and I need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need the power of the Holy Spirit in everything we do. We need the power of the Holy Spirit in our relationships. We need the power of the Holy Spirit in our finances. We need the power of the Holy Spirit in our decisions with work. We need to have power of the Holy Spirit in everything we do. In our health, you need to ask the Holy Spirit. Lord, my doctor said this. What are you saying to me? You know, my wife's father has all kind of medical complications because he's listened to four or five different doctors that were making, you know, cocktails with all the medicines and it almost destroyed his kidneys. You and I need to listen yeah. to the Holy Spirit. Right. We need to say, Lord, I know there's experts out there. Lead me and let me have a sovereign relationship. Let me have a, 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 a time where you come together with this, but lead me to the people that can help me make good decisions. Third thing and final thing. Ushers, you have those forms? If you can get those ready to pass out, I'd appreciate it. Is you need, and I love this, I love the way the message said it in, in Matthew 20, uh, uh, 11, 28 through 30. It says you need to get away with Jesus for a while. You know, one of the things that my wife and I do, we just got back from a vacation, but really it wasn't a vacation, it was a sabbatical. We do once a year, we take 10 days, and we go dark. We get off our phones, we get off our computers, we get, just get away, and we, we spend it as time with the Lord. We spend it just alone. And let me tell you, you don't have to take two weeks to do it. You could take five minutes in a busy day. You could turn off your radio on the way home from work, and you could just pray and have a relationship with the Lord. You can turn off your TV for one hour. I know that's a lot, but for some of you, it's, it would really help you. You know, <laughs> Pastor, I don't have time to read Scripture. But, you know, the football game's on, the soccer game's on, the hockey game's on, this is on, that's on. My favorite TV show, I watch this movie, that movie. But you don't have time for the Word? You know, take an hour. 
Have a little talk with Jesus, you know? Listen to what he says to you. Be still. Scripture says this, be still and know that I am God. We live in one of the most fast-paced cultures on the planet right here. Silicon Valley, this is insane, the rate of speed. You know, we were out the other day. We had uh, dinner. That my wife and I went out for dinner the other day, and I was just looking around the restaurant, and this is all I saw. You know, put the phone down for a minute. Yeah, a minute, an hour, a week. Put it in your glass of water. You won't have it for a few days, you know? Trust me, been there, done that, you know? But take time. You know, Scripture tells us about taking time to renew yourself. You know, you don't renew your mind when you're, like, reading, you know, reading Romans 12, 1 and 2. Okay, got it, got it, got it. Okay, next, 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 next. You've got to take time. Marinate in the presence of the Holy Spirit. You know, my wife's always saying, well, the Lord said this to me, the Lord said that to me, and people are always asking me, the Lord always talked to your wife like that? Yeah, you know why? She spends hours alone with the Lord, you know? She'll say, David, go out and do something in the yard. Have, go have fun. Do, go, go someplace, you know? And she'll sit in her room and pray, you know? My wife, is, is a, she's classified, according to her spiritual gift, as a mystic, so you know that. She's like 1% of the population. So she has this relationship with the Lord. I'm not saying that to boast. I'm just telling you that's the way she is. Me, on the other hand, I have to go out and, you know, spend time alone with God. I spend yard work. My neighbor thinks I, I'm a gardener. He bought me a hat, CIA, because he thinks I'm in the CIA, and I, I put career in agriculture. That's what I told him it is, you know. I'm always out doing yard work, but you know what I'm doing? I'm praying. I have worship music on. I'm listening to the Word, asking the Holy Spirit to speak to me, praying over sermon ideas, praying. You know, that's the way you have to learn how the Holy Spirit speaks to you. But what you've got to do, you've got to get alone with Jesus. Look what Scripture says in Ephesians Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. Okay, now this isn't just a husband's role. Well, honey, you need to be washed with water of the word. Let me tell you guys, guys, I know guys. I'm a guy. I've dealt with guys. Some of you guys need to be washed with the water of the word. Some of you need to be pressure washed with the water of the word. Okay? Some of you need to be brainwashed because what you're, you're thinking about is not good. It's not healthy. It's not building you up. It's not edifying. That's why scripture says on all these things, think upon these things. Why? Because these are the things you should think on. And when you're washing yourself with the word, the word cleanses you. It restores you. And not only does it restore you, it refreshes you. How do I know that? Because in the last couple of days when the thermostat was at 100 outside and I was outside doing work and I was walking around, what was I doing? Drinking water. Why? Because it was hydrating me. Some of us need to be spiritually hydrated because we're dry. We've lost the joy of the Lord. We've lost the pleasantness of having the Lord there. So ushers, if you want to come forward, what I did is I went and I copied. There's a guy named Rick Joyner. Rick Joyner is a pastor, a great ministry he has, and he came up with a, this list, and I want each of you to take one, and don't take one and hand it to the person next to you and say, you really need this, because <laughs> that just clarifies you have a religious spirit, okay? What it, th this is, is this is just a list of 25 things that Joyner came up with in one of his books on addressing a religious spirit, and I, I I'm not going to go through all of them, but just, let me highlight some of them. Those of you that have me almost all got them passed out, maybe uh, help someone else help pass out so everyone get them. Uh, Rick, since you're pointing out your wife's problems with her nose, why don't you take some and pass them out too? There you go. I love Rick. Rick and I are good friends. 
So look at number one. When I often see as our primary mission is tearing down of what we believe is wrong. Do you tear down things that you think are wrong because you know what's right? How about number three? We have a philosophy that will not listen to men, but only to God. You know, anytime someone tells me, well, the Lord told me. Well, there's no sense listening to me because the Lord told you there's nothing I can do. You know, that's always like the, the ultimate spiritual trump card. You know what that says? I don't want to listen to anyone else. That's a religious spirit because wisdom comes in the counsel of many. Okay? All of us, including myself, are teachable. And if you're not teachable, you have a religious spirit. How about drop down to number five? We'll be subject to overwhelming guilt that we never measure up to the Lord's standard. Lord, right now, if that's anyone in this room, I just pray that you would break that off of us. Let us know that you love us, you died for us, that, God, we are your sons and daughters, that, God, we are joint heirs with Christ. Lord, we rebuke the enemy who would like to tell us that we're no longer worthy of being the sons and daughters of the Most High. And, God, we speak blessing over us in Jesus' name. Look at verse 7. We believe we have been appointed to fix everyone else. And some of these are funny, but this is really, it, it, it gets down to basically saying, we know more than everyone else. Look at 9 and 10. These are pretty interesting, 9 and 10 together. We will have a sense that we are closer to God than other people or that our life or ministry is more pleasing to him. And then the very next one says, we take pride in our spiritual maturity and discipline, especially when it compares to others. You know, one of them basically says that, you know, I am so much closer to God than you. If you only knew the Lord like I knew, oh, you would be so much in a better place. Me, Lord, I pray publicly in the corners. What was the problem with the Pharisees? You know? And everyone bashes the Pharisees, but you know, we have a lot of Pharisees in today's world. They just cloak themselves a little differently. Okay, drop down to number 14 and 15. These are really interesting too. We are overly repulsed by emotionalism. I can't believe that person. Look how emotional they are. You know, I learned something once. Someone said, you know, never judge someone's emotions because you don't know what they've gone through. You know, you don't know what the Lord has set them free from. So they may be all emotional and happy and joyous and screaming and dancing, and you're sitting over there judging them with a critical spirit. Wow, guess who's right in that situation? And then the very next one is this. You use emotional as a substitute for the work of the Spirit. So you can not like someone's emotional, or you could just work yourself up into a spiritual frenzy and substitute that for the Holy Spirit. And then you walk out of here, and you're the exact same way you were when you walked in. Hmm. Number 19. Number 19 and 22, they kind of go together too. We have a tendency to reject the spiritual manifestations we don't understand. Well, you know, I don't know about that. You know? Read the book of Acts, chapter 19. Paul did, what's it say? Unusual miracles. What does that mean? That means they weren't normal. Well, you know, this person waved a hanky over me, and they said that I'll be healed. Well, if the Lord tells let me tell you something about the Holy Spirit. He'll ask you to do things that don't make sense to you. And you know what he's doing? He's testing your obedience. He wouldn't do that. Well, talk to Abraham about Isaac. You know, what's the Holy Spirit asking you to do? 
You know, if, if it's the Spirit of God is asking you to do something, do it. Look at the next one. Look at verse 22, or verse 22, <laughs> number 22. We are overly prone to the base evidence of God's approval on manifestations. Yeah. Oh, God's got to work this out. I don't know, you know. I'm naive enough. I told someone this the other day. Actually, it was, it was our exterminator here on campus. The, guy, the exterminator came, comes on campus once a month, and he was scheduled, and he called and left a message on the, uh, the church phone. I got it, and I called him back. And he says, you know, hey, pastor, sorry, tell the school I'm not going to be there this month, this today, because i got these really bad migraine headaches. And I said, can I pray for you? It's amazing when you have really bad migraines, how you want prayer. You know, when everything's going great, you don't have migraines. No, I don't want prayer. Don't talk to me or your relationship with God. He's like, oh, I'd love that. You know, I just prayed. I prayed like I pray for you when you stand up here on a Sunday morning. You know why? Because I believe, I'm naive enough to believe that God answers the prayers, and a lot of times he'll use healing to get someone's attention. So take it, take, let, let the Holy Spirit do it. Look at number 24. We're overly paranoid of the religious spirit and quick to recognize it in others, but not in ourselves. That last part is really important. You know, that if you could see it in everyone else and you can't see it in yourself, then you need to get back to the theological statement of Michael Jackson and look at the man in the mirror. You know, because we want to cultivate a community of vibrant, healthy Christians. And our goal, this is, listen, the goal of a religious spirit is to take the work of Christ out of your life and substitute it with your own efforts and deny the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you and I are going to be healthy, strong Christians, we can never allow anything to substitute the work of Christ or the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. Amen? So let's pray. I want to pray that if any of us are sitting here and you're offended at what I said, you probably have a religious spirit. And the good thing about the Lord is he's in the forgiveness business. And the Lord wants to break that off of you so you can be powerful because as long as you hold on and maintain that religious spirit, you can't find the joy of the Lord. You can't find the peace of the presence of the, of the Lord. And God, God declares over you, I am the prince of peace. I am the one that restores the joy of your salvation. So I just want to pray for us this morning. Lord, right now, we just, and, and I want you to do something. I'm not going to point you out, but if anything I said today kind of hits you, I want you to stand up. And the reason I want you to stand up, I'm not going to have you come forward. I just want you to stand where you're at. I'm not even looking around. I want you to stand up because I want you to be a lightning rod for the Holy Spirit. I want the Holy Spirit to see that you are genuine and sincere, that you want him to take this out of you. And right now, we're just going to pray. My eyes are closed. If that's you, just stand where you're at right now. Lord, we pray for everyone that's standing right here. I pray that, God, your Holy Spirit would just come down and peel like a banana skin off us that religious spirit. I pray that, God, you'd restore to us a joy in you, a presence in you, a divine presence that uh, saturates us, Lord. I pray you would take us in the spiritual dunk tank and put us under the water of your word, wash us with the word, let the Holy Spirit flood over every area of our life. I pray that, God, there'd be a renewal in us. I pray there'd be a, a revival in us, Lord. I pray that you would strengthen us in our innermost beings, Lord. I pray that we would fall in love with the word of God. I pray we'd fall in love with the Spirit of God. I pray that, God, when any time that Spirit tries to raise its head, we'd, we'd just uh, stomp it down, Lord, and we'd declare grace over us. I pray that 
anyone is standing right now, God, that feels inferior to you, to, under you, that, God, you would release over them a knowledge of who they are in Christ. I pray that, God, we would be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Lord, that our minds would be stayed upon you, that you would come in and you would, you would, you would release in us an understanding of who we are in Christ, Lord. I pray that the Holy Spirit would breathe a newness in us, Lord. I pray that be the, the fire of the Holy Spirit would burn out anything that is death, and speak life to our minds, Lord. I pray that we would surrender our heart and body and mind to you, Lord, that every single aspect of us, Lord, would bring glory and honor to you. And I pray that, God, we, we cut off. I declare it right now, God. God, we cut off any religious spirits that try to steal the presence of the Holy Spirit from us. And right now, if you're standing, I just want you to say these words. Fill me, Holy Spirit. Just say it. Go on. Fill me, Holy Spirit. Fill me, Holy Spirit. Fill me, Holy Spirit. We believe, God, your word declares that if we ask of you to come into us, Lord, you will come in like a mighty rushing wind. And I pray the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead would dwell in each and every one of us. I pray that our minds would be renewed. You could be, if you're standing, be seated right now. I pray that, God, you would release over each and every one of us, God, a newness, a new freshness, a new passion, a new desire to know you like we've never known you before. And God, I pray even as we read the word of God, that it would jump out of the pages for us, Lord. I pray Pray that as the word is being read, God, it'll, it'll, it'll bring a kindred spirit with our spirit, that, God, we would be renewed in our faith, we'd be built up in our faith, we'd be energized in our faith, that, Lord, we would be men and women who are powerful believers in Jesus' name we ask. And if you believe that, say amen. Now we all stand, worship teams come and lead us, and I'm just going to release over you this morning as we're here. God is doing something new in you. Let me tell you. But you've got to participate in it. Don't sit on the sidelines. Don't be an armchair critic. Just say this to the Lord. Lord, whatever you have for me, I want. And as you say that, the Lord's going to come into you in a new way, in a fresh way. And he's going to make the word become alive. And it's going to be, the scripture says, it's, it's active as a two-edged sword. You know what that means? Cutting and cauterizing. Cutting on one end, getting those things out of you that don't need to be in there, and bringing healing on the other side. And the Lord wants to release that in you if you'll just let him. Amen? I don't want you leaving this place. I know Pastor David feels the same, that you feel at all condemned, you know, that you have a long list here. And you're thinking, whoa. And, you know, this is pretty, like, we all can fit into at least one of those things. I mean, to be honest, come on, let's get real, right? At least a little thought or attitude here and there. But this is what the Lord says, freedom over this. So all I'm going to do as a prophetic act over this house is I'm going to tear this up. Say, this is, this is not going to belong here amongst us, not amongst you in your personal life. You're not bound in this. And, then, and if a little attitude comes up or a little, you know what? You're free. You're free. So as a prophetic act, I tear this up in the name of Jesus. How many of you want to be in agreement with that? You in agreement? Okay. Let's just tear it up. We're not. That is not, does not belong to us. And we tear it up. And it's under the blood. And we're going to walk in the freedom that we have. No longer you are people that are free and empowered. Amen. Amen. Let's bow our heads and pray. If you would like special prayer afterwards, please come forward. Lord, we are going to leave this house free. Free, free, free. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. 
And Lord, we thank you for the word that was given to us today through Pastor David. We thank you for that word. We thank you for the truth of that word, Lord, that as we leave this place, we're going to walk in that truth. For your truth sets us free. So, Lord, we thank you, Father. And, Lord, as we go out into our world, may the love of God exude us, Father. May it follow us. May it surround us. May when we are in a squeeze, may we in the fire through the week, Lord, that the love of God comes out in the midst of that. Lord, we have asked to be filled with your spirit. You said, if we ask, we shall receive. So, Lord, we have received from you today. So we can go believing what you have done. In your precious name, amen. May God bless you as you go, if you would like. We hope you were blessed, encouraged, and challenged by this week's sermon. See you again, and remember to hit that subscribe button for our next episode. God bless, and remember, we keep it real, simple, and about Jesus.